Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Welcome back to another episode of the Your Best Lifestyles International Podcast. I am your host, Terrence Hutchison, and we are here at the Old Robinson Public Relations and Media Group Studio. Happy Hump Day. It's Wednesday. Another day, another week. We're over the hump. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. I hope everybody is doing well and having a great day thus far. It's 2 o'clock in the ATL. You know, it's uh, not too hot, not too cold, you know. The wind is blowing briefly, you know, it's it's it's, it's nice, it's, you know. I love it, I love it, I love it. The birds are chirping, the sun is shining a little bit, you know, nice little breeze, so you can see the trees blowing, looking at the window right now. We are here another day. Um, it's so great, so much gratitude going on over the last uh, few days over here um, for me because, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, sometimes you just got to slow down and be grateful for all the things that you do have. Be grateful for your health. You're, you are breathing independently right now. You're not constricted or restricted by COVID-19. You know, you don't have a pain in your body. You know, so sometimes you've got to just sit back and then take deep breaths and meditate and focus on the things that you already have and be grateful for that. Show a lot of a great appreciation for you know, food on the table, clothes on your back. You know, if you're still working, that great, that's good too. You got a healthy family. You know, and we can't be distracted by everything that's going on in the world. I know that it's very hard to do. You know, while I, you know, but it just it's sometimes you just got to say, you know what, I'm going to turn this thing off. I'm going to get my mind right so I can get my mental health in check and I get my emotional health in check. It's very important that we practice these self-care techniques. But we're going to get into that because I got somebody wonderful on the show again, but I'm going to bring home in just a few minutes. So we want to take this opportunity to say thank you to all our advertisers, our sponsors, our followers, everybody who have uh, who has downloaded and subscribed to the podcast, uh, shared you know, the feedback has been tremendous and, you know, we're trying to get into the top 50 uh, fitness and wellness podcast on, a, on an Apple platform. We're doing that. We just got picked up from iHeart. Um, that's great. And almost soon, hopefully, to get picked up by Pandora. And that'll be great, too. So you got to remember, we just jumped back on the podcast bandwagon back in uh, late 
February, early March. So we're doing pretty good. And we had some phenomenal guests on, a lot of thought leaders, a lot of people who are who were sharing um, a lot of knowledge and wisdom um, from their practices. You know, they really help increase your quality of life and your quality of living. And I, 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 I'm so grateful to have these guests on because I've learned so much over the last few months, you know, and, um, you know, they, they share so much wonderful content to the podcast and to the listeners. You know, those aha moments and those light bulbs just flare up in your head. You're like, I didn't know, I never knew that. And, you know, I, I get to use it. I get to implement those things into my life. So I want to say thank you. Um, we so appreciate, appreciative, excuse me, um, for everything and everyone who have shared the Your Best Lifestyles podcast. And we cannot do it without you. Actually, we do not want to do it without you. So with all that, you know, being said, I want to introduce you guys to my newest guest. And her name is Dr. Margaret Rutherford who has been a psychologist in a private practice for over 25 years and is the author of Perfectly Hidden Depression, How to Break Free from the Perfectionism that Mashed Your Depression, with that which was published in November 2019 in her book, Dr. Margaret Blosters, her own clinical experience with real-life stories of those experiencing PhD, as well as the most recent research of the dangers of perfectionism. Okay, she's passionate about the message that that passionate about the message that although depression can heavily mask the perfectionism, it damage can be uh, devastating to someone who may not may or may not or may not be aware of the loneliness and despair that's growing more potent underneath their accomplishment. So welcome to the show, Dr. Rutherford. Okay, psychologist, PhD. How you doing, Doctor? I'm doing great, Terrence. Where are you from? Are you from the Midwest? We're actually from Charleston, South Carolina. So you're hearing that West Indies back there. That's what it is. That geeky, that I'm gala. smiling because I'm smiling because most people in the Midwest call it Rutherford, and in the South it's usually called Rutherford. And so I, I got two. I thought, <laughs> I wonder if he's like from Chicago or something, because <laughs> he's saying Rutherford. So, but but my my husband's uh, grandparents were in the Midwest, and that's exactly the way they pronounced it. They pronounced it Rutherford there, too. So I'll go Rutherford, Rutherford, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> So how are you, my friend? Thank you so, so much for taking time of your productive schedule to come on to the podcast and drop so much wisdom. I can't wait to hear more from you. How are you? I'm doing very well. I, I told you before we got on, I've, I've had my walk in a very humid Arkansas morning here already, and so I'm geared up for this. Terrence, I appreciate you inviting me. And gosh, when you write, when you read the bio and all that stuff, it sounds very official. It's really, um, Perfectly Hidden Depression is something I'm just, uh, I am very passionate about it because sadly, um, a lot of our kids and a lot of us are dealing with the need to meet everybody's expectations and build this life that looks uh, really, really good from the outside, if not even perfect. And yet there are a lot of things that we're, uh, we've pushed very, very far away from our consciousness. And so it's kind of 
um, it's a dangerous kind of thing that's happening because, of course, suicide rates are going way up as well. Um, and in fact, there are some predictions that suicide rates will really skyrocket with the pandemic. Um, and I, uh, I'm afraid that will happen. So I'm delighted to be on to see if anybody listening, if, if they are, um, if they identify themselves or one of their loved ones or a friend or a parent or a child even, it's really important to know that depression doesn't always look the way you think it's going to look. It doesn't always look like those in the com- people in the commercials that don't want to walk their dog or you know, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't have to look like that. It can look like somebody who has his own podcast. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the title alone, perfectly hidden. You know, I'm, it really, I'm really stoked about that because so many people can really hide behind depression or hide the signs or symptoms of depression. And you never know it. They smile all day in your face. And every time you see them in public, it's, hey, you see them on social media, it's, hey. But when they're home by themselves, that's a different animal. And, you know, you just, oh, I, yeah. I know I know so many people like that. And then it come to find out, it's like, oh, I was diagnosed. Now, with COVID-19, um, they're finding out, I'm, I'm finding out that there were already depression, a sign of depression with them. And they're mm-hmm. on depression medication. I'm like, what? You know, who mm-hmm, knew that? Mm-hmm, how, mm-hmm. how do you think that people are able to disguise their depression, especially being under this pandemic right now, because it's so hard? Well, that's, that's a great question, Terrence. And really, I think there are two ways of talking about it. There are people who know they're depressed. They might have been might have been hello, can I talk this afternoon? They might have even sought treatment for it. They're on antidepressants or something. And yet, for some reason, they're able to slap a smile on their face. They, they may have had a hard time getting out of bed, but they still go to work and they're cheerful and they're, they've just adopted this um, desire or need to not let anybody know how bad they feel that may have learned in their family that that's weakness or that um, they're ashamed of depression or somehow they think less of themselves if anybody but their primary care doctor or their OBGYN knows anything about it and so they keep silent it can be a cultural thing you know a lot of cultures uh, disdain uh, mental health problems as some kind of either uh, you're not faithful enough, you don't believe in God enough, or you um, it's some kind of inner weakness or fragility. And so there there's, can be a lot of stigma around being depressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other group, though, is, and, and I, well, let me say, and I think those people will hear the term perfectly hidden depression and will probably gravitate toward the book and kind of want to read it and see if they find themselves in it. Yet there's another group that's an even more dangerous group and this is a group that really does not think of themselves as depressed in fact it's the farthest thing from their mind that they're depressed uh if you flat ask them are you depressed oh no i'm not depressed i love my life i've got a great life i've got so many blessings i've got you know i've got a great job my marriage is good you know i've got children that are healthy that count their blessings um, 
And yet what has really happened, Terrence, is that probably from their childhood on, there was something happening in their family or again in their culture that gave them the message, it is not okay if you're angry, it's not okay if you cry, you're sent to your room, you're told you're ridiculed because of that, or you are abused, you were shouted out, you were yelled, you'd never amount to anything. And by darn, you said to yourself, I am going to amount to something. And you set upon this mission to not let anybody see your weaknesses, not let anybody see your vulnerabilities. Maybe you were neglected as a kid. And you, you decided the same thing. I've got to take care of myself. Maybe you had a parent that was an alcoholic or a drug addict, and you had to take care of the rest of your family. Maybe you grew up in a family where um, you were really the star of the family, and everybody said, gosh, you just can do anything you set your mind to. And so you became accustomed to being very accomplished as a way you got attention and nurturing. And now you're kind of stuck there. So there could be a lot of ways around the barn. But basically, just, and you know, sometimes you're just a man. You're a man, you so you're told, you know, crying's for little girls, um, which is obviously not true. But anyway, so there are lots of ways to get to this perfectly hidden depression. But it's um, perfectionism and trying to look like you have a perfect life not only because of social media but for other reasons is growing and these are the people who I'm really most concerned about because they they have what's called compartmentalization in psychology they basically built a box and whatever feelings they don't want to feel they even automatically they're not even conscious of it put those feelings in that box and stick that box way back in their the closet of their emotions and it stays back there it's gathering dust it's got spider webs all over it you know and with every new thing that's disappointing or or another hurdle for them or something they might be sad about they build another box and put it in there to where that closet is stuffed and those are the people that 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 what's in that closet can grow really really more and more potent and more destructive as time goes on um at this point i bet all all the people listening to this know someone that they thought life was handing them you know the golden keys that they looked like they had it all and who killed themselves and so you know these are the kind of people that i'm trying to reach before it's too late you know, you said something interesting. You said it seemed like they had a golden key and they turned around and killed themselves. So that reminded me of um, Robin Williams, the comedian actor who yeah. seemed like he had it all, but he was depressed and um, he committed suicide. Remember him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, I believe what had happened with him, he actually had been treated for bipolar disorder. Um, and he was recently diagnosed with some kind of neurological disorder. I've actually forgotten what it was. It may have been Parkinson's or it may have been Alzheimer's. I'm not sure what it was, but it, he had, he, and he did not want to face that. But you're right. Nobody looking at him, I mean, he never came forward publicly and said, you know, I had bipolar disorder. No one knew that. 
and so except his family and then after his death it was revealed but you're exactly right that that kind of um, intense and really urgent um, desire to be seen for who you want people to see you as your persona the, the person you put out there in the world in the world to see and so world for the world to see and um, you get stuck in that persona and it's it's harder and harder to get out the longer you pretend yeah yeah exactly I know um, in the 2019 no nope, 2010 I uh, before my scare and I see you with diabetes I think I was in right uh, depression mode and I did not know the symptoms of depression right. I had to go to uh, a clinical psychologist for therapy because I was like something that's not right with me mentally and emotionally and I described my symptoms and um, she was saying that hey I was irritable I was frustrated I was angry all the time and mm -hmm. I didn't want to be around her. I was really closed off and I was short fused and I was like this is really not me and then she said she's probably depressed and I had yeah. no signs of depression because I always thought that depression was more like sad and closed off and all that stuff like especially that. in men especially in men um, agitated depression is the difference between a depression that is more full of melancholy and sadness and low energy to what's called an agitated depression which is again just as much a depression as more of uh, sad depression it just presents a little bit differently but it it's well known by clinicians at least that an agitated depression is still depression yeah that's crazy now with the pandemic going on all the world going in the chaotic state right now are you seeing a combination of both with you know aggravated depression because people are really upset they're aggravated and, you know most uh 60 million people have been laid off from their jobs and you know Oh, yeah. uh, they're trying to find a way to make ends meet, pay the mortgage, pay the car note. They got kids home, you know, and they find out that they're not um, smarter than a fifth grader and they're aggravated by schoolwork. And, you know, are you seeing more <laughs> aggra aggravated depression or sadness? Um, I am seeing a, a great deal of restlessness and a sense of, um, you know, what can I do about this? And, and you know, there's a... Uh, you know people were getting loans and everything but then what's going to happen after the loan runs out and you know it's just there's so much unknown that and really I don't think probably any of us um, maybe some of the people who lived through World War II would remember some of this but many of us do not remember a time like this so we don't have any models um, maybe our grandparents uh, can offer some kind of help or mentorship but it's really hard when it, yes you can tell yourself well everybody's in this boat and of course there are some people who are in a much deeper boat than others meaning you know they're you know they are truly financially in a huge state of crisis um, and then there are others who are not as, as affected but it's um, you know it's kind of like the common coal Terrence it's it's one thing to be said well you know everybody has colds and I but when you have a cold you feel miserable right so I don't care if it's a common cold or not I mean to be told oh yeah there are 59 million other people who are suffering from this it's still 
it's your children you need to feed and your job you need to keep and your house that has a mortgage on it and or you're living in an apartment and you're going to get thrown out and evicted so mm-hmm. you know and that even that very reliance on you know food banks and that kind of thing I, I've, I've listened to a lot of the reports that are saying all of these people have never gone to a food bank it's it's they're very proud people and they're very they're people who have been very um self self-contained uh, and, and, you know, taking care of themselves and all of a sudden they're having to accept um, uh, food and shelter and that, that kind of thing and medical supplies or whatever from other people. And so it's humbling and, you know, it's, um, it's, it's putting everybody to the test and probably, I mean, definitely the people that are financially and obviously the people that are grieving I mean, there are 119,000 families here in the United States that have lost one or more members of their family. And so, you know, that's a lot of grief here in the last three or four months. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to figure out what the next moves are, even for uh, for my household. Like I have, we have, just last night we had a long conversation. I think it was like, or early this morning, like one thirty in the morning, we're talking about um, mm. what's going on. You know, um, my my uh, fiance, you know, she's a, a she travels all over the world performing, and she wasn't able to do it, so she's kind of having a moment. You know, she's not used yeah. to yeah, yeah, and, and it's like you can't perform, and this is this not. It's like yeah, you gotta you know you gotta take it easy. And then um, yesterday morning was the first time I actually walked out of the door and had a a um, sense of fear over me, you know, and thoughts of, mm-hmm. I wonder if I'm gonna come back home today, you know what I'm saying? Because of all the yeah. stuff that's going because on. Violence. I, right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm doubt, anxiety, I'm driving, and I'm, you know, I'm nervous and I'm, I'm looking around, you know, I'm like, all right, when I got to my destination, I was like, we've got to pull this together. So um, psychologically, I'm I'm feeling the pressure of that, and I'm trying not to let it bother me emotionally, you know, and um, I was like, man, with the pandemic going on and then uh, uh, po- uh, protesting and all that stuff like that, it's, it's, I, you know, normally I'm good with like suppressing things or just letting the scab just heal over stuff. I'm like, right, I'm numb to all that. Mm-hmm. But yesterday was one of those things where I felt every emotion, I felt every thought like 10 times as much. And I was like, well, this is yeah. really crazy right now. You know, and for me, I'm a strong guy. So I'm like, hey, I'm blocked this out. But yesterday, I refused to block it out. I said, immediately on head on. And I got back home. You know, I didn't want to touch my phone. I didn't want to look at anything. The only thing I want to do is grab the remote and watch Netflix until the next day. Yeah. I promise you. <laughs> I kind like, of distract. Okay. Well, distraction isn't a bad thing. I mean, you know, um, you know, oh, well, you're not looking at it. And sometimes we all got to just think about something else. But, of course, you're right. And, and I would add to that that um, a lot of my minority clients are mothers. And they've said, you know, I'm so scared for my children. And, um, you know, I'm trying to have, a, you know, talk to them about what's going on and and without scaring them to, to death, but also just deal with the reality of, of what we're all living through and, um, and, you know, have been living through for a long time, but it certainly has more of a more of a focus now than it has in the many years that I've been around this earth. 
except I've also lived through the 60s and so there was a lot of of um, focus there as well and some changes but not enough um, right, it's interesting right. to me though Terrence is that a couple of my african-american uh, female clients have told me they have they're reading the book because and they're actually suggesting it for some of their other um, friends because they they said that you know perfectionism is something that as a minority woman especially and I don't I don't have any male patients I don't know I bet it would be similar that you feel like you do have to be two and three and four times better than uh, more perfect than those around you uh, because you you won't get the opportunity at all if you're not that way um, and then you of course get the get the um, get the also the response of well the only reason you got that opportunity because you were black or because you were from India or because whatever and you know so you got to deal with that kind of um, assault also but she was saying you know I'm I'm more scared than anybody probably who's reading your book because I if I give up this perfectionism then I'm you know I'm I don't know whether I'll even get the opportunities that it, it at least offers me. So I'd never really, I, well, I had thought about it, but it's not included in the book, and I, I'm going to write an article about it because it's a very, very poignant point, I think, and one that, um, that I did not write about. So I'm, I'm trying to read and learn more about that and, and so that I can talk about it. Um, and maybe we'll even use some sort of some testimonials from people so it's not coming from me but coming from people that um, are actually dealing with it I mean and that, I mean I, I agree with you I know for african-american male um, for me I'm very competitive so sometimes I feel like things have to be perfect and then uh, I get upset if I feel like it's, it's not as perfect I get anxiety um, even right. when I get booked to speak in front of people, it has to be perfect. You know, it doesn't have to be structured. Mm -hmm. I hate that when I'm speaking in front of people, but I have to be looking a certain way. I have to be positioning my body a certain way. It has to be perfect. And, you know, I go through that. Even right now with uh, everything that's going on in the world, you know, the, the way that I protest, I'm not in the crowd. But I, I mm -hmm. protest in a different way. So it's like, you know, it has to be perfectly aligned with my brand, with the with the podcast, with, you know, everything else that I'm doing because, you know, it's important for me. So but I it it I struggle with it behind closed doors because my mind between my brain and my heart is like a war going on most days. So I struggle a lot with my emotions. I struggle a lot with my my inner voice and um, like wow and a lot of times you know my heart over overwhelms my my, um, my logical thinking my brain then sometimes you know my brain wins you know so it's like it's, it's a delicate balance and I think that the title of your book perfectly hidden depression I'm not depressed anymore but I'm, I'm not angry I, I don't I'm not having that aggravated stuff going on I'm learning how to identify my triggers and um, yep. if I know, like, okay, this is the trigger, then I know I, I, I got to go, <laughs> I got to go a different way, or I got to turn this off, you know what I'm saying? I can't, 
I can't be around certain individuals. I'm good on vibrations and frequencies. So if mm-hmm. I know if it's if it's, 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 it's if I get a bad vibe, I'm like, okay, I'm out of here, because I turn to have my facial expressions. Everything is on my facial expressions. I'm very standoffish when I get a bad vibe. I go into self-protection mode, and people don't know it. And I so I, I you know I'm like, okay, this is a trick. I gotta get out of here. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. How how can people deal with their inner voice? I mean, especially during these mm-hmm. times right now. I mean, you quarantine for like four months now. Um, you laid off, and then that's, there's that inner voice telling you that you're not going to make it, or you do the negative self-talking, the sabotaging. Fear is pretty much going to sabotage you or paralyze you psychologically. How can people turn it off or get better or really quiet the noise? Well, you know, um, another really good question. A lot of people will say to me, Terrence, what do you mean pay attention to my negative self-talk? What do you mean self-talk? I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know, uh, you know, it sounds like, you, are you talking about it like I'm crazy? And I'll say no. You know, we all have this sort of um, inner dialogue going on all the time that gives us, kind of editorializes or gives us a, a a way of understanding things or a way of assessing things. I mean, you walk into a room and you may stick out your hand or we used to, now we stick out our elbow uh, to say hello to somebody, but your brain is also saying, well, there are about 50 people here and I only know two of them and I want to go talk to that person and, you know, I wonder if they're serving alcohol. I mean, you know, your brain is busy sort of assessing and evaluating and saying, well, you you wore the wrong thing or you wore the right thing or, you know, whatever it is, whatever your particular direction is going to go because of your mindset at the time. And that's your, that's your self-talk. That's this sort of ongoing uh, uh, dialogue in your mind that's not you know it's not psychosis it's not like you're hearing voices it's like literally yourself commenting on yourself all the time and what people don't realize is they can practice listening listening in to that um you know i'm uh i've heard a couple of my notifications go out off and i've realized oh i forgot to turn this off so you know it's kind of like but i didn't say that to you i noticed it you know i said oh i can hear my notifications darn it and so um you know it's kind of it's i'm I'm always i'm in the moment but i'm always not quite in the moment either because there's this part of my mind that's noticing so basically the trick is first and foremost is that you have to tune into that and a lot of people have what's called a very critical negative self-talk, a negative inner voice. A Sometimes it's even the voice that you used to hear from if you had a abusive mom or dad or a teacher or a bully, um, you know, that used to say mean things to you. And actually, you will have taken over that commentary and say those things to yourself. Um, my mother had uh, an eating disorder. She had anorexia, and I could never be thin enough. And I'm much bigger than I was when I was when she was alive. And I'll look at myself sometimes. You know, I'll hear my mother's voice going, "Well, you need to gain. You need, you need to lose weight." And so, you know, it's 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 a function of a lot of things of what you heard, what you how you were raised, 
um, or if you were raised by very loving um, people who just wanted you to do well and and um, or people who really were mean to you or um, or you know told you 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 weren't going to be much so sometimes that negative self-talk doesn't necessarily come from you it comes from your history so if you tune into it you'll go oh well this is what I'm saying to myself and then you can kind of look at that and go now wait a minute do I want to believe that do I want to believe that I need to lose weight not particularly I'm pretty happy with the way I look in my age and um, you know so you can challenge that self-talk or if it says oh you'll never be able to do that don't even try you won't be able to do that well do I want to believe that do I want to listen to that or do I want to challenge that belief and say you know I'm going to try to do this and you have to sort of fight with or struggle with or manage is probably the best term you have to manage that tendency to think ill of yourself and to think you're not worthy and you're not valuable and you know you'll never you never accomplish much or whatever it happens to say to you and so yeah. if you get better at listening in and then challenging and confronting what you don't want your that voice to say to you then eventually you'll replace it with more positive things and you'll go on and try something that your negative voice said oh you'll never get that done and you get it done and you say see I can do it and so next time that voice may say well you did it last time why don't you try this time you know so it's kind of a it's people saying well God, that talks like you're that that sounds like you're kind of weird like you're talking to yourself all the time but that's not it it's you're just we've all got this mm, historical kind of uh, voice in our head just again it's kind of like uh, this this it's a running commentary kind of and you can either decide to listen to it and give into it and just let it govern you or you can decide to challenge it yeah I know I challenge it all the time I talk to myself all the time and people are like what are you doing I, you talk, talking to yourself again I say yeah sometimes I'm my best counsel you know I, yeah. I give my yeah <laughs> you know and Sometimes I'm in my office, I'd be mumbling to myself, and I'd be like, you know, you talk to these, <laughs> and it'd be weird, though, right? I didn't, I don't know. Sometimes, like, my, you know, my, my girl be there, and she'd be like, I, I heard you talking to yourself. <laughs> well, you know, I was, I was, my, I had my own podcast called the Self Work Podcast, and I started it four years ago, and I was 61 when I started it. Mm-hmm. I'm 61 years old, and I thought. That voice was going. You're too old to do this. Nobody will listen. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and I just and you're too old to learn something new, and and I just didn't listen to that. I just said, well, shut up. I'm going to do this, and you know. But it's it certainly was there a good deal, and um, and yet now it's something I just adore. And sure enough, I guess there are enough people who, you know, they don't care how old I am. Is 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 what I'm saying making sense? So, you know, there you go. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, the podcast, so what's the name of the podcast, Self Work? The Self Work Podcast, yeah, S-E-L-F-W-O-R-K. Yeah, 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 and um, and that's and that's great for you to do and have because now, you know, you with the book as well, too, so you, you are the, um, one of the world's top leaders in your, in your field, experts in your field, that's why 
you know, I wanted to have you on the podcast so you can share so much of your clinical experience and expertise with so many people who could be, who may be struggling um, internally right now inside themselves with this quarantine. And, you know, there's a lot going on yeah. in people's lives right now. People are hurting, people are suffering, and then yeah, they don't yeah. know how to deal with the, um, um, or they don't know how to identify this destructive beliefs or, you know, connecting more with their emotions. They don't know how to deal with it. So I was like, when I ran across you, I was like, this would be a perfect fit for the podcast. Because, oh, thank you so much. Well, yeah. you know, uh, being 65 years old, I've also, um, I've got my own bit of wisdom. I think everybody has their own bit of wisdom, but mine has been hard earned. And if there's a couple of things that I could say, I mean, I, um, I think all of us, um, we all have vulnerabilities. I certainly have mine. When you said, you know, so many people are struggling and, you know, I don't necessarily know what to say either. I can be supportive. I can try to be helpful. Uh, I can try to allow people to grieve and allow people to be scared and give people permission to do that because sometimes we do see that as counterproductive. Oh, if I, if I, if I admit I'm scared, then, I, you know, then I, then I'm lost. And what I would say is that the more you try to act like you're not scared, then the more tendency you'll have to get lost because we're, you know, so many people are scared right now. And because of the, the, the race, racial violence going on, because of COVID, because of financial stressors, I mean, you know, uh, there's just a lot to be scared by right now. And so I just try to say to people, you know, if you accept, not not you don't you don't um, resign yourself. Oh, I'm scared of this, so there's nothing I can do about it. You just accept that you're scared, accept that you're angry, accept that you're sad, accept that whatever it is. But then know that you also have strengths with which to deal with that. So um, I can't tell you the number of people that over the years I've been in practice now, well over 25 years, and. I'll, I'll hand them a piece of paper and say, well, write down your strengths. And they'll hand me back a blank piece of paper and they'll say, I don't think I have any. Oh. And it just makes me so sad for people to think that they've lived, I don't know, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and they they can't even identify one strength that they have. And they have them. Um, and sometimes as a therapist, it's my job to help them find those strengths. Um, yeah. I know you said something interesting about you allow people to experience fear or, or grief. Um, I, like I said a few minutes ago early in the podcast, I experienced fear, overwhelming fear for the first time in so long going out the door yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those fears like, oh my God, you know, and I hate fear. I can't, every time. I feel fear, I face it, I run towards fear. But yesterday I was kind of like paralyzed mentally, like getting into the truck. I'm more like, man, I was real paranoid yesterday and I hated it. So, you know, the interesting thing you said was like you allow people to um, deal with fear, deal with grief. You know, uh, you know, so many people are hurting, you know, you just allow them to just kind of like spill it out, get it on out and then try yeah. to work work on their strengths so when people can't identify their strengths you know 
Um, is is it is that a form of fear, or they just you know they having a mental block that maybe the a cognitive awareness is down? They have a brain fog. I mean, everybody has stress. They just don't. It, it could be it could be a symptom of depression. You're right. People think about depression as a really emotional condition, but it also has a lot of cognitive or mental components. You tend to be indecisive. You, and this is again classic depression, not perfectly hidden depression. You tend to be indecisive. You tend to not be able to make, you know, you kind of have foggy thinking or like people say to me, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm just walking through quicksand. I can't, I can't make anything make sense. Um, yeah. And there's definitely a mental uh, part of depression that's just as serious as the more emotional kind. Um, but when you say that, you know, people are, are it's difficult for them to find their strengths. I think that that is about, um, or certainly my, my, the first idea that came to mind is that that's more about a self-esteem issue. When, when yeah. you don't think you have any strengths, it's because you are just so down on yourself that all you're thinking about is the things you struggle with or that you, you, know, you think you've a fa- you're a failure or um, you think that um, you know, you've made a mess out of things or you should have done this or you ought to have done that or, and you didn't do it and so now you're, you know, you're failing versus turning that puppy around and saying, now wait a minute, I haven't gotten through this many years of living that I don't have some strengths. Maybe I, I can tell a great joke. I can laugh. I can make people laugh. Maybe right. I can, um, you know, maybe I'm kind. Maybe I'm giving. Maybe I'm uh, slow to anger. Maybe I'm, you know, there, there are a whole lot of things that are strengths um, mm-hmm. that may or may not be well evident to you, but, you know, it's really important for you to know what they are. Yeah. Now, Dr. Margaret, you are an award-winning um, private practitioner you wrote your book um, Perfectly Hidden Depression in November 2019 last year now That's here it's it published, is yeah. it's published okay so now here it is 2024 months in the quarantine pandemic <laughs> not a great I, time I to sell a book <laughs> no, but actually, 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 I, I, I think it is because so many people are struggling once again, and then all of a sudden, here, here's your book, and you can really help people. Like your book is really groundbreaking. You can really help people get through this pandemic, you know, just by reading a book. Um, depending on who they are, you know, and most people they don't want to read about it. You know, some people might find your book very insightful, very helpful, inspiring, motivating that help them reduce a lot of lot of depression, anxiety, maybe they suffer from PTSD, um, any any type of mental health issue, you know what I'm saying? So my question is is like when you published the book in two thousand nineteen, would you could you even imagine that you'd be coming into this climate only a few months later where a lot of people are dealing with mental health issues because of the pandemic or the protest? Um, well, no, I certainly don't have a crystal ball, so I, I mm-hmm. you know, no, I had no thought of a, of a, mm-hmm. a worldwide pandemic or certainly a, a re-uprising and a very justified um, reason for that for the, uh, you know, the racial uprising that we're seeing now, which I'm supportive right. of. Um, 
And you know, uh, I, I do want to stress, Terrence, that the book is not just a book. It's also a workbook. I mean, that's when you mm-hmm. say this, this book might help people. What I hope is really helpful is not only a description of what this is, but how you begin to change it, which is very frightening. You think about somebody who looks like they have the world by the tail, and, and um, gosh, you know, I interviewed, there were about, I, I did about 60 interviews with people who had volunteered. Um, I, as I tried to write about this way before I wrote the book, I was trying to kind of come up in my own mind with, well, what is this, you know? What am, is it, is it a, is a disease it is a syndrome what is it and I began putting these traits together that I thought kind of hung together that would if I described a certain trait then usually you'd see a, another trait and so I was as I was writing these things probably I don't know about for about a year period of time I would ask people if they would tell me their story I wanted to learn from people's stories I didn't want to make up something in my own head I wanted to listen to people Right, And so I got these people, and I had an hour and a half, sometimes two-hour interviews with them, anonymously some of them, and other people let me know who they were. Uh, the guy was a brain surgeon. There was a motivational speaker. There was a woman who was in charge of her entire state's advertising campaign. There were, there were all kinds of people from all walks of life. Right. And um, to a T, they said to me, the reason why we're coming forward is that we don't want anybody else to feel like they have to hide behind this veneer or this facade that they've built that um, that you know that that's what they need to let people believe who they believe they are because it is so lonely it's so lonely and 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 then of course the the problem is um, it gets so lonely that then they they can become suicidal again with no one knowing that there there's even anything wrong. So those people's stories were so meaningful to me, and um, in in fact, there was one woman one day I was interviewing her, and I was talking about that I'd already been turned down by a couple of publishers because I was in the midst of writing a book proposal, and the book proposal had gone out. And, you know, a, a fairly large advertising house said, well, we don't think anybody will buy this book because why would you buy a book if you're hiding? Why would you buy a book? And I asked these people why, and they said, oh, we find a perfect way to buy the book. But anyway, during this interview, I was just kind of, it was toward the end of the interview, and I said, gosh, you know, I'm trying to keep up my spirits, but this isn't going very well. And she got real quiet on her end. Now, she'd been bright and upbeat, and she got a, a she kind of I could hear in her voice that she was crying or, or there were some tears in her eyes and she said please don't give up and it's people like that all along the way who have inspired me to continue with this message because I, I know without a shadow of a doubt that there are a lot of people who have sought help and hoped and prayed that someone would see underneath their persona and unfortunately they don't and they get diagnosed with anxiety or they don't get diagnosed at all all they say is hey you're overworked you need to get some rest take a vacation um you know you're such a nice guy or such a nice woman you know you you, you're so successful that 
you know, you just need to have some free time. And, and they leave and they think, once again, I should be ashamed because I think something's wrong. At my gut level, I think something's wrong. I don't really know what's wrong, but something's wrong. And now I go to this person who's supposed to know, and they say the same thing that my persona is saying to me, which is, well, just buck up. You're fine. Just don't work so hard. Yeah. And, you know, it's, um, it, to me, it's, you know, I, in this time of COVID, in this time of racial injustice, at least on a mental health front, this is a huge issue right now in mental health. Social media has fed and fueled and reinforced this thinking big time. Um, I've had people in my office who are very, really very depressed, classically depressed, and they'll show me their Instagram, and they look like they have a great life, you know? Um, and so it's, it's very disheartening to see that we use those as examples of what our own life should look like. Or, you know, the, the br- very brave nurses that we'll, we see on Instagram or something, and they're, they're celebrating going into the COVID fight, and, you know, they've got their arms stretched out like they're, you know, they're showing their bicep curl and all that, and that's great. But there are also nurses who are frightened, out, and doctors, who are frightened out of their minds. And actually, those people are probably frightened, but they just don't talk about it. They talk about right. how courageous they are rather than talking about, this scares me to death, literally. Every day I walk in the hospital and I see uh, several nurses and doctors as patients, and they're telling me, yeah, I don't let anybody see that, but boy, do I feel it every day. Yeah, every day. I even have a couple of nurses who I work with, and um, on social media... They're on the front lines and, you know, they, they're pretending to be heroes, which they are. But later right. on, the, the side effects of working long hours, um, increase of uh, back pain, uh, lumbar right. issue, uh, increased right. cortisol, hormone stress, um, right. uh, uh, joint pain in the foot and the ankles and the knees, mm-hmm. you know, headaches. You know, stress. Wearing all that PPE constantly and changing clothes constantly and all that stuff. Yeah. It's a lot of stress. And also having um, signs of depression and dealing with some marital issues or relationship issues, too. And then using using food or maybe um, alcohol as coping devices. Right. And... And I'm like, whoa, I didn't, you know, it's really serious. So if you don't really know the ins and outs of what, what these people go through, even with some um, uh, police officers, they're under extreme sure. stress. And yeah. I, I, talk with, I talk with them, you know, they got, uh, they have like 40, 50 pounds with the extra weight on them, with equipment and vests, and they're hot, they're sweaty, mm-hmm. they're irritated. Mm-hmm. You know, the, ment- the the mental health issues going on with cops, going on with doctors, nurses, anybody that's pretty much on the front line. And then you top that up with um, the COVID and top that off with, you know, mental health issues, emotional health, environmental health, you know, and it's just a, it's, it's just a, a, it's a vicious cycle going on. Right. And right now with people protesting and then they're not really from what I'm seeing on social media they're not to me it doesn't look like they're doing a six feet distance in myself you lord know, no. So, no 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 yeah. no 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 <laughs> not. so 
as far as the people that I know who are on the clinical front line of COVID in the hospitals and everything like that, they're like, oh my God, you know, nursing was my dream career. Now I feel like I'm going to have to quit because they're mentally they're overwhelmed because people are not practicing the social distancing and they have increased rates of people coming in with symptoms of COVID-19 and it's like it's like they're not they're sleeping in the hallways the nurses they're sleeping in the nurses station you know and I think that's very dangerous because they may be able to out of fatigue, mental fatigue, physical fatigue. Sure, for now. They may put in the wrong information, you know. And I was like, man, so, you know, they're depressed, you know. And yeah, they are. They're, they're getting money. They're getting paid. But yeah. the side effect of working 24-hour shifts, three days a week, and uh, that frightens me because, Lord forbid, if I got to go to the hospital, I'm be like, give me a nurse or a doctor who... Who's fresh. Who's fresh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's just when you when you mentioned that you talk to your doctor friends and everybody like that, and I talk to my people who I work with, it's just it's just like you're in Arkansas, I'm in Atlanta. It's just a, a nationwide and worldwide pandemic for real, and people are not paying attention. So, I mean, you know, of course, you and I are going to come up with the answer, right? No, we're not. But, um, you know, I do think what I keep saying to people over and over again in my practice is, and I've said this before, COVID and whatever, is you, I guess you have to look for what you truly have control over and look to see how you, what you can do there. That may be just, you know, um, you know, I'm I'm noticing. I mean, in my own little neighborhood, how much friendlier people are when when I go walking. I mean, everybody goes hi, you know, because they haven't talked to anybody, <laughs> you know. And so I say hi back, even if it's small little things, neighborly things, um, things that, you know, if you're involved in a church, you know, what what's the church doing, or what could you do for the local uh, food bank, or what could you do? I mean, if you don't want to protest, then you know, uh, have your children write letters to the editor. I mean, whatever you can do to, or your children come up with something themselves that they want to do. Maybe they want to, I don't do something for the hospital workers or something for the protesters. I mean, um, you know, take water. I mean, just whatever it is that you think I can do this today. And then, you know, rather than thinking I don't have control over anything, yeah, you do. We all have control over something, right. even though it may seem very small at the time. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, what you just said, like take water to the protesters, because I'm I'm seeing that people are protesting out of anger, frustration, and fear. Now mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. down there with underlying health issues like hypertension, diabetes, and they may suffer from um, hypoglycemia. They're not eating well. They're down there. And they're passing right. out from too much heat exhaustion. Right. Not no perfect snack. You know what I'm saying? So it's like now they're exhausted down there, and along with the mental health issues and the pressures of depression and everything like that. It's just a it's just a combination of all these things that that is really weakening the immune system by itself. 
and mm-hmm. they're right. down here among everybody else and it's like where's your mask where's the six feet distance and I'm like you will just increase your risk of um, um, contracting this virus and you, you, you're not paying attention because mentally you know you're dealing with some stuff and now you're down here physically you know not paying attention to what's going on and I, I, I tell people I say, look if you're down here you, you got to be in contact with your brain and be in contact with your heart you know before you make con- a conscious decision, uh, decision to go down here are you angry are you depressed are you frustrated you know I know you want to go out there and lend a hand you know what I mean but we got to think about your mental state you know before yeah. you go down there you got to think about your physical state before you go down there and people like you always want to analyze your stuff I'm like okay you got a bad back you got bad knees you got a you know you got bad ankles and you you know, you, you, you suffer from hypertension. Are you going to take your meds before you go down there? I'm like, I need you to be safe because yeah. you put, what if you need to move real quick, pivot real quick, you know, and you can't move because you got a bad knee? And, you know, how is that going to affect you mentally when you're in the hospital? You're going to be like, I shouldn't have went, <laughs> I shouldn't have listened. Then you're going to end up depressed anyway. So you got to be smarter. You know, and I, I, I tried. This is why I wanted to have you on the show because, see, this is the people need to hear certain things. People overreact out of fear and they want to go down there, and they, they're not really mentally or physically healthy enough to go to a protest. Right. You know, and. Well, that's kind of your feel. My feel is are they mentally able to? And, and I think that that, I mean, I think you're bringing up some good points about. Um, you know, being clear what they are hoping to get from that and what they need from that, and if it's worth the risk. I mean, is it is it worth right. the risk? And so, um, you know, they may be already downplaying the risk, and so it's not much of a skip and a jump for them. But um, you know, you 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 there's short there's short term goals that can be met, and then you know what's that doing to your long term goals? And again. Right. I'm I'm certainly not advocating for people not to protest, but it it is a dangerous right. time for that to happen in many ways. So. Right, right, exactly. So let's talk about um, psychology today. You know, are you really are you blogging there on a on a regular basis, or are you just doing contributing article writing? Um, I have a column there on perfectly hidden depression, and I usually um, I submit something about once a month there. Um, so, um, yeah, I was thrilled to get invited to, to be on Psychology Today, and I have a, um, let's see, I, my website's drmargaretrutherford.com, and I do a weekly blog post there, and then, of course, we've already talked about the podcast, and then the book is available uh, on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, you can get it at your local bookseller if you want to give them some business, because I'm sure their business has really been not so hot the last few months. Um right. So, you know, it's available anywhere, and um, I, you know, I'd love for people to check it out and see if it applies to them, or, you know, even more important, even more importantly, perhaps someone they love. Uh, this is something that, you know, people have asked me, well, is it mostly women, mostly men, mostly younger people? I, unfortunately, I think this is something that happens um, 
in in all for all ages in both genders so um or in in the gender range so um anyway i i certainly appreciate you having me on and i've loved our discussion um you know i'm uh, it it is a i guess the major point is that i'm trying to suggest to both the mental health profession and its clinicians as well as to the general public that you don't have to look melancholy or angry to qualify for having depression it's it can be it can look like the perfect looking life and it's just because you are the expert at keeping those things uh, discounted and that can be very dangerous for you uh, as well as from anyone who suffers from this particular uh, syndrome is what I call it that's awesome so you hear it everybody this is the your best lifestyles international podcast and we have here dr. Margaret Rutherford or Rutherford depending on where you are <laughs> PhD man, um, she's a private practitioner award-winning you can follow her on social media you know go get her book um, perfectly hidden depression on Amazon Barnes & Noble anywhere books are sold um, Dr. Margaret I really appreciate your time I know you're super busy and productive and um, I'm going to follow you and, and make sure I stay in contact with you because this has really been insightful for me even to help me deal with my inner critics and my um, well my struggle yeah and you're you're modeling the fact that you know even in this podcast you're saying yeah I was scared yesterday yeah I mean you know you are modeling being open about what you're really experiencing and I I so appreciate that and I hope your listeners do too I'm sure they do it's probably why they listen and so you know thank you for that because the more people we have especially men actually modeling that then maybe we can get rid of this stupid idea that you know if you express any kind of vulnerability then that is weakness and far from it um, there's a I've, I've listened to Dr. Brene Brown's or watched Dr. Brene Brown's Netflix special and there's this big old tough marine that gets up and he's done three stints in Afghanistan or somewhere and he's, I think he's still in his fatigues and he stands up and he says you know I was scared every time I went into the field in Afghanistan and you have to work through that fear that vulnerability in order to find courage and I could not agree with him more after watching so many people do that for so many years as a therapist and I'm very honored to do that but vulnerability is not weakness it's it's it gets you to courage yeah I, I grew up in an environment as a young adult young teenager where I wasn't allowed to um, show my vulnerability I wasn't allowed to show fear I wasn't allowed to show tears you know right. and as I got older uh, when I lost my father 10 years ago all of that came out of me and I was like right. whoa you know and I was what 39 38 at the time now you know and it was just crazy so I you know for me now to be in touch with my emotions and know my triggers and try to fight through everything right now is it's actually therapeutic for me just like even talking to you right now all this is therapeutic for me so you know, i've learned over the years how to deal with um fighting uh depression know my triggers if i'm angry mm -hmm. or upset or frustrated i'd be like okay <laughs> i know the sign I'd be like okay 
what are you, what's going on? Yeah. You know what I mean? Good for I you. Thank you it. so very much, Terrence. I really appreciate it. And you've got a follower in me, too. So <laughs> we're mutual you. admiration society going on. All right. So anyway, that's Dr. Margaret. Please go follow her. This is the Your Best Lifestyle Podcast. And I hope you guys have a great um, Wednesday afternoon or evening. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Good night. This episode of the Your Best Lifestyles podcast is sponsored today by the hottest new ebook out, 10 Secrets to Transforming Your Body, a guide to body sculpting. These tips from leading experts in the field of fitness will help ensure that your time in isolation will lead you to a more stronger, healthier, and sexier body. It will show you what to eat, when to eat, and what exercises you should be doing to craft the body that you deserve and desire. That's the 10 secrets to transforming your body, a guide to body sculpting, the hottest new ebook on Amazon that's out right now.